So got some downtime, got to read, mm-hmm. recharge the brain a little bit. Yes. Yes. Felt so good. And then you came in and Slack was down. <laughs> our world ground to a halt. Oh, man. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. There was plenty well, to do. That's <laughs> plenty right. to catch up on anyway. Like, well, oh, right. You just helped me prioritize then. I hate Slack. I, I appreciate it. I don't like it in a work setting because it's very hard for me to get things that are assigned to me into OmniFocus. I have an API integration and I have some stuff working in the background to make that happen, but it's just too easy for stuff to fall through the cracks. And so when it was down, I was thinking, hey, good riddance. I, I could do without that today. But we needed a new person on one of the teams I'm over and our whole staffing thing runs on Slack. And mm-hmm. so Jeez. it was like, I couldn't get an answer I needed and things were down and things moved slower. And so now I'm dependent on it, even though I don't love it. I don't know how people keep up with it. Like I have a hard time keeping like just whether it's maybe I'm in too many groups or I don't know, it's always the immediate over the urgent. And so I pay attention to the urgent and not the important just because. It's too hard to tell. Like yeah. something ultra important could come in a like a general channel. Yes. Yeah. It's too many. Like I'm, I'm, I hate that we're even recording. I'm kind of embarrassed that I have 39 <laughs> that are unread right now, but yeah. I can guarantee you none of them is urgent. None of them is about, actually I can't, there, none of them are from individuals. When an individual or a small group slacks me, I get it almost immediately and respond. It's the threads. Like I just, I can't, I don't keep up yeah. with all of them. You know it what you could too do? Many. You could hit shift escape and that marks everything as read. And if it's important, maybe they'll ping if again If it's important, it. it'll pop back up again. Shift escape. It's beautiful. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. Sure. Good way to let more stuff fall through the cracks, but right. <laughs> You're right. Email is like that too. If it's really important, people will get back to you because I don't know, we're, we're almost like on point for this, the beginning of this very talk. Like this, we're not talking, the signal to noise ratio is out of control. And I don't mean like here, I mean everywhere, every yes. device Every, do you remember the days when there used to be like three news channels, only three. And like when I was a kid, the Walter Cronkite and Barbara Walters and Dan Rather, like they were very well respected. There are three news outlets and the TV stopped working at like 1145 at night, shut down and you'd get this screen of color, this weird sound, like the emergency broadcast system. This is only a test. Well, that, that also, I think, helped with empathy, too, because you know what everyone else is watching. And so if someone reacts differently to something than you, that's okay. That's part of what makes the world a great place. But you knew what they saw to create an opinion around, maybe. But if you react to something you saw on Facebook, for instance, and I react to something I saw on Facebook, our feeds aren't the same. I don't know what you're seeing. You don't know what I'm seeing. Everyone's is individual. So you went from three to like an infinite three that closes down at 11.45 p.m., to an infinite thing that gets worse the later in the night that you go. That's that's tough for sure. But I don't think email is any better going back to the Slack thing. Like it's got its own problems. Mm-hmm. Lots yeah. of noise, not a lot of signal. Yeah, that's true. Which I guess then just makes this topic even more relevant. Like how if we're giving people advice on something as critical as like toxicity in their teams and leadership, how are we helping them if we have signals noise ratio issues, so do they. And how are we helping them hear through for the really important stuff? Because I I don't like my management style sometimes of um, 
just waiting for things to bubble up again, because I know that is putting the burden on someone else to reach out again. And I don't love it, but man, oh man, there's way too much information out there that all seems to be mission critical. Yes. Yes, definitely. Good. I'm glad you had a relaxing break. Thank you. Glad you survived the major slack outage of 2021. <laughs> 2021's off to a great start. Yeah. 2020 was like like a dumpster fire <laughs> that needs to just be pushed off a cliff. And then there's 2021 and Jury's the great out. slack outage. Yes. Did you see this is a complete tangent? There's this match.com commercial that Ryan Reynolds, I think it was Ryan Reynolds, directed. And it's Satan mm-hmm. and he's chilling on match.com and he gets matched yes. and it's 2020 and they yes. sort of fall in love. And it's this montage of, you know, them watching movies and empty theaters and stealing toilet paper and things like that. And it, <laughs> at the end, I thought it was funny. And then at the end, it was brilliant because it's make 2021 your year. I think yeah. everyone's ready to move on. So am yeah. I. Yeah, it was brilliant. I there Were there more than two parts to it? Because I saw two, like part one and two. Oh, really? I need, okay, I'm going to go check out part two then. Yeah, it's, it was very clever. Whoever came up with that deserves a promotion. Ryan Reynolds, Deadpool. Oh. He came up with it. It's his, it was his idea. Nice. That's so, so awesome. Go. Yep. Yep. Awesome. I love stuff like that. So it was good to see. Diana showed it to me. That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. So what are we talking about today? What's the topic? Seven deadly leadership sins. Which yes. sin are we covering today? We are covering number five. We're talking about wrath. Ooh, my favorite. Oh, this wrath. is one of my favorites too. Because oh I've gosh. talked about this in a couple different executive forums and the points hit home really clearly and they're very uncomfortable. Yes. And so I enjoy I enjoy working my way around these and there's always a little bit of tongue in cheek, but working my way around the around the clock face here and then and people are like laughing and nodding along and agreeing like, oh, yeah, that that, that makes sense, blah, blah, blah. And then you get to this one which is every level of like passive aggression is how it manifests itself. It's exhibiting blame when things go wrong. And most people are not, not so inappropriate that they would, they come out like outright with blame, but we have ways of passively blaming other people, other departments, our equals, just in in ways that are fully toxic. And I do talk a bit here. I tend to talk about the frozen middle, which is an expression we all know and love. And it hits home for people. So this is probably my favorite of all of them. So in my past, I I struggled with this as a very early on in my career. Luckily, I got some uh, feedback to address it quickly because this was definitely what got you here won't get you there moment. I use humor a lot in the workplace. And one, I think it just makes things more interesting and fun. And two, I used it as a way to diffuse tentious situations. When I got role power, though, and I pointed that humor at people that reported to me, that's not ever a recipe for success. Is that, does that fall under wrath? Because I'm thinking I don't normally get like super angry, but I I do feel like this definite horrible thing of humor at the expense of people you have role power over might fall under this one. What do you think? It might. Let's talk through it and see. Because you're you're you had a way of of breaking tension and dealing with contentious situations, but it sounds like you received feedback on that, good feedback around that not being a way that leads to a solution or not being a way that builds trust or 
a way that build, that brings teammates together. And so much of blame mentality, whether it's done with using humor or passive aggression or radio silence or avoidance or whatever, is exactly that. It's designed to separate and tear apart as yes. opposed to bring people together. And funny enough, the person, Ed, so if you're listening, thank you, who gave me this feedback, reported to me. Mm. He was on the team. That was gutsy. he pulled me aside one-on-one and said, hey, I don't know if you know what you're doing, but you talked to this person like this the other day and it really hurt his feelings. Like he was mm. heartbroken about it. Nice. And I was that, like, good oh for my him. gosh, I had no idea. It, that was one of the probably worst days of my professional life because you don't want people to feel, you, you to be the cause of making other people feel terrible. And here I was thinking that I was such a good leader of people and <laughs> it's, it was the complete opposite. And so- I owe Ed a lot for that because I don't know that I would have caught it in time for it and maybe it would have galvanized into a really bad habit. And who knows? And, and now I, I mostly turn the the humor in, in a self-deprecating way, which is mm-hmm. I think is really helpful. And then also I'll do silly things like I'll bring a little red card and yellow card to a meeting and make a scene about it or assign people random points for things or a way to get people involved in a little game or something which is fun, can put a little fun element to it if, if other people play along. It's more like improv but super scared of humor at the expense of those that I have role power over. And luckily, I haven't had an issue with it since, and, and that's one of my we'll-never-do-that-again kind of situations. That's so good. So that goes on your top 20 list of le- lifetime professional lessons learned. On my blooper reel, yeah. Awesome. Or- and kudos to you for hearing him for not shaming him or turning it around or even allowing your own sort of ego embarrassment, pride, whatever, to get in the way and miss that critical moment. That's awesome. Well, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there, there are, I've never, I've rarely, I have seen people use humor as a deflector. The more typical examples one sees, I think, are things that sound like, that really are more like radio silence or that's a hands-off, that's not my job. So imagine you've been in this scenario where you're having a team meeting talking about an issue. Hi, everybody, here's this problem. And the response is nothing. It's just complete crickets. That to me, an unwillingness to come alongside is a a bit of a wrathful response. It's a, that's not my job response. It's a, I don't want to get my hands dirty sort of response based out of fear, based out of misaligned agenda, a maybe a self-motivated agenda, self-protection that is never healthy because it just, it now you're not a team. Like you can call yourselves a leadership team, but what you are is a, a just a collection of individuals. Collective armies of one, if you will. Wow, yeah. And What Got You Here Won't Get You There by Marshall Goldsmith. So bad habit number 16, not listening. It hits what you're talking about, which is, and he says, this is the most passive aggressive form of disrespect for your colleagues. <laughs> so that's that kind of encompasses, you said passive aggressive. There's this level though, that's hyper disrespectful mm-hmm. to, to engage in that way, especially and also unprofessional is maybe the word because you're certainly getting paid to address those issues that you are conveniently leaving to other people's devices to solve. 
And there may actually be times where the solution is that, or I guess the outcome or the analysis would be that someone, there is another department that is really, truly accountable, but often even that suggestion is not presented in a way that is, so how do we help them be successful for the good of the team, for the the good of the whole organization? Several different times in this podcast, we've continued to take this up as many levels as possible, where we get to the point of overall alignment, which is, I think, where we have to go back to. There's a selflessness to that that builds that actually builds good teams. So just by default saying either nothing or that's not my job, neither one of those are helpful. They don't get you any further down the path of actually fixing the problem. In fact, they just isolate. So I I love that. Number 16, boy, it, it is really disrespectful. Which is a little bit more nefarious than avoid, just avoidance. But maybe from a personal perspective, it's coming from the same place. There's certainly, so number seven on the list of bad habits, speaking when angry, using emotional volatility as a management tool, that's got to come into play here too. It's called wrath. Yeah, yeah. So I sometimes, that that emotional volatility, it, what I think it does is it creates a shield. It's like self-preservation. If someone in a team comes off as volatile, more likely than not, the other members of that team will avoid bringing problems to them at all cost. Oh yeah. No one wants to deal with a volatile person or an emotionally volatile person. And I think several we're circling around where I think the expression frozen middle even comes from. What does a frozen middle mean? It's whether you get there from a an avoidance perspective, a a volat an emotional volatility approach, a shaming approach, an, an avoidance, no matter how you get there, the whole concept to me, and this is incredibly inflammatory, is that frozen middle was not, that expression wasn't coined by the middle. It That's wasn't right. actually coined by the people whom it describes. It's really quite a an inflammatory, accusatory label that was created by the people above it. The Which problem is, is habit them. habit 19. Passing the buck. We need oh, to blame Lord. everyone but ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. If only they, man, they, they would just get their stuff together. Just yeah. do what I say. They need to address their dysfunctional problems. They need to thaw themselves out. They, we come up with these ideas and we roll them down and then the frozen middle and they just get stuck in the frozen middle. So for, for me, this is that wrath encompasses all of this because there's this sort of like when I think about wrath. It rarely is people who show like outward aggression. That's just, it's so unacceptable in our culture that rarely people do it, thank goodness. But it, there's, it's a smoldering is the way I think of it. Just a, a smoldering set of coals that, that kind of sparks up from time to time, a little flame here and there. Now, that's an interesting point. There are diminishing number. I have no data to back this up, but I'm pretty sure it's true. I'd bet money that it was true is... There are fewer and fewer scenarios every year on a year-over-year basis where leaders are just outright raging. But that idea of smoldering, like the oven is hot. And when you're next to a hot oven, even if the building's not on fire, you feel that paired with some of the roll power involved. I think you you still, the, the, the rage side, the anger side of wrath that we're talking about still comes into play. And people sense that around you. 
Mm-hmm. And, but I've been in situations like, I'm, I'm not talking to them about that. You know? right. And so if you are that way as a leader, there's no judgment here. We're all making mistakes. This might just happen to be yours or not. You got to know, though, people aren't coming to you for stuff when there's problems. You're the right. last person to find out. And I know this is a complete off-topic rabbit hole, but I can't help but wonder if when when real rage issues are not addressed, they don't they no longer manifest themselves in the workplace as frequently. I think you're probably right. But if they're not addressed, then whether that's a blame shifting or an emotional volatility or a general disrespect for other people or certain people groups or a certain gender or what however that manifests itself, I can't help but wonder that it doesn't manifest itself somewhere else, like road rage or issues in your home. Those anger issues don't just, they don't dissipate. They don't go away on themselves, around them, on their own without being addressed. So this, this one by far, and maybe pride when we get there, there is something about the two of these for me that are tightly coupled and very much deeply rooted in success or failure of certain parts of society. I know that's a much bigger topic than just a leadership deadly sin, but they do have deep roots. Oh, we see this in organizations all the time. You have a wrath, so we'll use that term very broadly, leader that exhibits wrath. That just gives carte blanche permission to the directs and and their directs all the way down to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And that could get even more dangerous, one, because you're multiplying this dysfunction, but two, you may be as a as an executive, able to have enough nuance around your wrath to where it's not super impactful to those around you, it's just annoying or in, and causes people to avoid you. The, the first year manager who sees it and tries to monkey see, monkey do, right? And they might not, you know, be so nuanced about it and that some really bad things could happen and you let that happen. That's, that's something you condone through behavior. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You're hitting right on the the first layer of the onion, I think, for the remedy, which is the leader has to own that. They have to own not just the solving the problem or making it work, whatever it is, even if that is escalating to escalating in an effective way to your peer in another department who is the source of the issue, right? We do, we have to do that all the time. But you have to own addressing that wrathful behavior, that disrespectful, passive aggressive, vol- emotionally volatile or volatile behavior. You have to own that. If you don't, no one will. And it gets worse when you think about all of the all the different psychology experiments that show how incredibly influenced, easily influenced people are. We're talking about experience, experiments that go the whole way back to the 1950s, where people are easily influenced by someone, even if it's just an actor that comes in and tells them incorrect information. They're 75% of the time, people will allow that voice to influence them. It's so easy. There, there, there's a, um, from the Atomic Habits book, the James Clear, the author, he refers to this as the close, the many, and the powerful. Three groups of people that we are so easily influenced by. And the quote there I love is this one. It's, he says, most days we'd rather be wrong with the crowd than right by ourselves. Like we, if a leader doesn't stop that, they're, they, they're considered the powerful, right? Not the close being, say, family, friends, et cetera. The many just being sheer numbers, but the powerful being a leader exhibiting wrong behavior 
or not addressing wrong behavior. Either one, both and, so you get the same outcome. People will just continue to replicate that bad behavior. Yeah, definitely. We see that in in all areas of life. We're really we're hitting a, a nerve of almost first principles, right? These are this is a timeless issue that happens with any individual or organization, regardless of size. Yeah, I I ended up, I won't go into this in, in too much detail, but in my previous team, I ended up building, rather than building just a set of business metrics, business metrics were a given. We were going to have to grow. We had to sell and grow and build, find the right kinds of clients and the right kinds of work. I don't even need to tell you about that. But because of so many other nuances and difficulties, both gender ratio and the time differences between us and and most of my team didn't share the same first language, even because we were spread out globally, I decided to try this kind of this first rules approach and make them very much three first rules that were that I called rules of engagement. And they were all about relationships, judging positive intent, talking to each other, not about each other and making each other look good. And the behavior we're talking about here with wrath can connect to all three of those giving one another the benefit of the doubt or refusing to expose someone, talking to them, not about them, or just simply making them look good. Like any and every negative attribute we've talked about would break all three of these rules, which makes them very important as a set of first rules to have a leader mirror and then insist that their people follow suit. Yeah. And it strikes me as you're saying that too, because uh, you said you forewent the, if that's the right word, forewent, foregone. Sure. Yes, sure. I think it is. <laughs> you eschewed the traditional metrics. The funny thing too is, and this isn't in any of the seven deadly leadership sins, I'm not seeing anything in what got you here won't get you there, 20 bad habits. We never have a competence or skill problem. Very rarely do we have an effort problem. Like people just start playing Fortnite all day and not working those two things are, those are rarely what sinks us. It's the interconnectivity dysfunction that festers in a human organization that ultimately causes failure. It's not the skills, very rarely. Mm-hmm. In fact, I've never been part of or seen or witnessed a failure due to lack of skill. Now, you could be SpaceX and have a hard time getting people to Mars because you've, you're trying to solve a problem that's never been solved before, but that's not what I'm talking about here. It's like legitimately your team's IQ is not high enough. Like I just, I don't see that happen. And yet just to drive home your point even further, those are the things we always measure. We actually measure people's hands on keyboards. We don't in our firm, thank goodness, but we have lots. We, the industry have so many different ways of measuring people's quote productivity versus addressing and measuring success around these more nuanced attributes that when when managed successfully, when built successfully, productivity comes. Productivity, strong business results, growth, sales, those things come when you build a strong team. Yet they're hard to measure. They have they're all lagging indicators and they're they're just very complex. Okay, so we have really what wrath is, what it looks like, the the different forms it can take. This is a really dangerous one. What are the things that we can do? What are the remedies, the cures, the inoculations that we can do within ourselves and our organization? I think the largest kind of 
billboard size remedy is simply awareness. It's a lot of what we've been talking about in many different facets. Manage yourself and then manage your team. And so the first thing I discuss when I talk about this is, again, the most contentious point. We've talked about the frozen middle, but no one talks about the frozen top. If the middle is frozen, if there's a problem there, whether it be productivity, transformation, lack of adaptability, performance, or any of these team attributes, listen, executives, thaw thyself out, look in a mirror, get a coach, get a coach for your team, get some honest reflection and introspection going to find out what your problems are. Because a frozen middle is only frozen because the top is allowing it to be so. Yes. And and when I share that in multiple times at executive conferences, teams of 10, 12, 15 up to 100 C level, I've shared it. The actual response, Robert, is crickets. People just like silence layers onto the room because it's the truth. And we don't want to hear it. I don't like to hear it, but it is my job, right? It is my job to introspect and reflect. I think our CEO is excellent at this. I mean, setting a good example, this like introspection, reflection and sharing out and then helping other people go through that exercise with you, helping the people who report to you, the people that are your internal company partners and peers, helping your clients go through it. It is, it's, it's so invaluable, yet we just don't want to think about a frozen top and what that might mean. Yeah, let me offer some silver lining to that dark rain cloud that you've thrust upon <laughs> us. <laughs> You're welcome. You're so welcome. I completely agree. And so one one thing is we have all exhibited wrath as leaders in our careers and might all exhibit wrath in the future. And so I think this is a, a common human condition as leaders. One thing I'll talk, oh, I mentioned Ed earlier, and this is not, uh, this was completely on accident. I just so happened in that day to have a good day about how feedback was given to me. If If that feedback was given to me on, 10 different days, I might have reacted really poorly on eight of them. Happened to have a good day that day. Later, Ed tells me, hey, I, I respect you more than ever for what you did for owning the mistake that you made. So in a weird kind of way, I had the highest level of respect from this direct report, maybe more, for screwing up that I would not have been able to achieve had I not screwed up. And to talk about this all the time, it's like people, you're human. Like people know you're going to make mistakes. The thing that we hate though, as a, a collective is injustice about people getting away with stuff they shouldn't, or people who very clearly are messing up and they're just not owning it. And you're like, come on, come on, come on. And so I think you could really, whether you're selfishly motivated or not, could earn some political capital, could build some of that trust just by simply taking ownership. I, I love Jocko Willink. Do you know about Jocko Willink? He, he wrote Extreme Ownership and Dichotomy of Leadership. Really good books, ex-Navy SEAL. And his whole thing is everything is your fault. No matter what, just, hey, it's your fault. And if everybody behaved that way, hey, this was my fault. Here's what I'm going to do to make sure this never happens again. What a great place the world would be. I think we need more of that. It's just a hard thing to do when you're the only one taking the blame. Yeah, 100%. But somebody has to start a new habit. I love that. I'll need to go and check out his books for sure because somebody has to start and set a new example. 
And that is, it's one of the things I, excuse me, I found both hardest and best about the example I gave before, my own team's rules of engagements. Judging positive intent is tough. Making one another look good is tough. What was the toughest of the three was talking to one another, not about one another. And I found that in that example with my own teams, and I've done this twice with executive level teams I was building myself, that they, not for a client, these were my teams that were responsible for our own output, that it it had to start with me. It had to start with me showing them what that looked like and then allowing myself to be held accountable as well. And receiving, like actually messing up and owning it publicly and receiving feedback about it. And you're right. Like on my best days, I receive feedback pretty well. I covet it. And on my worst days, I'd much prefer to be like in the fetal position <laughs> and be left yes. alone. And, you know, we're, I am, I'm human too. And I, I don't always take it well. I have it, at least once I can think of for sure, I've had to go back and apologize to someone who gave me feedback and I didn't receive it well. And that was hard to do too. But somebody has to start, like they have to be the first person to say, I'm going to change the way we operate. And if others follow me, fantastic. If they don't, that's a shame. And other sorts of issues will manifest themselves from that state of affairs. And they they often end with parting ways and changing companies and things like that. But being willing to be the one who's like, yep, it's my fault. I'm going to own it. And be the example is, it's true. It's truth right there. And Marshall Goldsmith would definitely agree with you on his being a jerk one. It's, hey, if you're a jerk and that the solution to that, the remedy to that is not to be a really nice person. It's just to stop being a jerk. Just stop. Like, just don't talk. Just keep your mouth shut. And that's a fairly low bar to pass. And so I definitely think, especially when you're in a group setting, if you're not sure what to do, as a leader, you have the luxury of being able to not say anything and and go and collect your thoughts and address people individually later or have a plan for the next meeting that you're in, something like that, which we will not confuse with the very first thing you mentioned, which is complete and utter avoidance, right? It's still, you still have to address it. You don't necessarily have to address the issue at that exact point in time that it's made, that you're made aware of it. Yeah. Dr- addressing the radio silence takes on its own form and experimentation and facilitation. It's, it, that's, yep. it's a symptom of the problem. And one of the favorite hacks that I learned as a consultant, which is basically, oh, I don't know, let me, let me think about that. I'll get back to you tomorrow. You can just say, I, that's a good question. I'm, I really care about that. Let me think about it. Let me noodle on it. Let's set something up for next week, right? Where very few of us are in these life and death situations where you have to have an answer now. And, and then if you can easily buy yourself some time, and if as long as you give someone a sort of, hey, I'll have something to you by tomorrow or by a fixed date, you're, you're going to get a lot of grace, I think. I think so too. That's an excellent point as a, from a remedy standpoint, because I think wrath is the most highly emotive of all of the deadly sins. And buying yourself a little bit of time to to reverse fight or flight mechanisms, to think if you've ever read or studied anything around crucial conversations, to just accept even the biology of being in a contentious situation and hearing something you don't want to hear. We are human. We don't like criticism. And buying yourself some time in a respectful manner to to calm down and deal with your biology and even just hear someone 
that works in all sorts of interpersonal relationships. It works in my relationships with my closest friends and dating relationships, marriage, everything. So it is, it's a great technique to just get back to someone. It gives you time to chew on it and think about it and respond thoughtfully. Core, core leadership skill, the ability to filibuster enough to get out of them, to to let time expire. (laughs) Every interaction you're in has, it has a time that it ends, right? Waste enough time to buy yourself, hey, we'll continue this discussion tomorrow, right? And the key is really one, identifying that that rage, wrath feeling, wrath feeling, and then short-circuiting it and then buying yourself time so you can sleep on it. Yeah, Chris Voss, we talked about him also. He he talks about the label. So if you, if someone comes at you and is really angry, you seem upset. There's neuroscience that backs up that just labeling that and causing the person to say, am I upset? Reduces by 50 or 75% the the frequency, the amplitude of their anger. And so there's even asking yourself like, hey, am I upset right now? That could help short circuit some of these things. That's good. That's really good. Man, this is a tricky one. I think we lost our one viewer or one listener. That's okay. Uh, There's hope. There's hope for everybody. That's right. This one hit close to home for me too, though. That's, uh, I think everyone struggles with, Mm -hmm. this is a common one, right? Might not be gluttony, might not be sloth, Mm-hmm. But everybody, the, the the Venn diagram that has wrath in it encompasses mm-hmm. all people. Yeah, this is a tough one. I, I think the way I, I've learned to notice it manifests itself the most in me as a leader is, is the radio silence. Like I'm, I have to be hyper aware of myself when I'm quiet. Is it because I'm listening and trying to understand or is it because I am on some level offended by what's been said, (laughs) or is there some, I'm just, I'm being as transparent with you as I can be. Is there something that is, that, that makes me angry, that smoldering anger, or maybe I don't want to help this person on my team. Like none of us are mother Teresa. I'm not an outwardly aggressive person. So I will tend to withdraw. And then I have to hold myself accountable and be honest about, okay, wait a second, Tiffany, are you withdrawing because you are actually seeking to understand and you're listening and absorbing, are you withdrawing because you're pissed? That's a hard conversation to have with oneself. With oneself. <laughs> In the isolation of quarantine. Yeah. Oh my Which gosh. Which is another reason to filibuster so you can yes. think about it. I work with someone who is masterful at that. And actually at the beginning, I think was I was a little frustrated because I'm very like, hey, let's get things solved in this meeting so we don't have to like talk about this again. And then he did the other day and I was like, hey, I I'm on to you, man. Is this what you were getting at? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> I see you. <laughs> so, yeah, that's right. And I was thinking that is what a great skill to have, buying yourself some time to cool off and be more collected and let the people around you think about it a little bit. Yeah, that's great. Anything else on this one? I don't think so. I don't that's think a fun so. One. This is a tough one. Yeah. I hope we didn't lose fun. our one listener. <laughs> I hope they reflect don't, You're still there. and don't get upset and they do yes. come back next week. Yes. Well, hey, it was great to see you. Good to see you too. Happy 2021. Huh? And we might do 51 more of these this year. I think that sounds fantastic. That's going to be a lot of fun. Well, I'm looking forward to what's the next one, just to give a little sneak peek. I think the next one is Envy. Ooh, Envy. We okay. are, we're closing the loop here. We've got Envy next, followed by dum, 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 Pride, which is Ooh. another one that hits close to home. Yes, those will be fun. And then we will have completed our 
Seven Deadly Leadership Sins series. Yes. So yeah, yes. go check out the other ones if you're listening and still here. Lust, Gluttony, Greed, Sloth, Wrath Was Today. If you have any questions, reach out hello at theindustryoftrust.com. We'll be happy to chat with you. And I hope you have a great first remainder of your first 2021 week. And we'll talk soon. Bye. Bye.